three of four. Um, we're calling the series Just Like Jesus, and we're really looking at um, what does it mean to embrace the life of spiritual formation? And for a lot of people, just saying that term spiritual formation, you start to kind of check out and you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a monk. I, I've not been to seminary. I, I, I don't have that heart necessarily. And, and that's okay if that's kind of your initial impression. Um, no one was better at spiritual formation than Jesus. No one had a greater heart for spiritual formation than Jesus. As Jesus began his public ministry and for three years, he tried to help the Peters and the James and the Johns and everyone else draw closer to looking more like the Lord, to looking more like him. And so with that idea in mind, I want to give you a real quick recap of where, we're, where we've been up to this point and then talk today about identity. Week one, we talked about the blessed life. And we look specifically at Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, and it talks over and over again about blessed is the man or blessed is the person and, and this idea of the blessed life and how it's kind of a different definition than, than maybe we have grabbed a hold of in America with the good life. And, and everyone would say, we want the blessed life. Everyone would say, I want God's favor to shine upon me. But the problem is, too many times, the duplicity of our hearts get in the way. And so we find ourselves kind of um, in, a, in a sort of internal civil war between wanting to please God and wanting to please self and being driven by the kingdom and being driven by, by the world. Last week, we studied the cycle of grace. Psychologist Frank Lake and theologian Emil Bruner came up with this cycle of grace, and I won't go into that, but I left you with this kind of image to grab a hold of. Um, are you a tree or are you a water hose? A water hose is simply a conduit that allows water to pass from one point to another. The, the hose is not changed. But a tree takes in the water, and the tree itself is changed and begins to grow, and it affects everyone around them. And that, that's the picture that I want to leave you with as you strive to look more like Jesus. You know, are you allowing God's word to, to soak into your heart? Are you allowing God's word to change you? Or have you settled for simply being a conduit? And today is all about breaking down this question of identity. Here's the bottom line. Here's a truth. Everyone is being spiritually formed. Everyone is being spiritually formed. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you are being spiritually formed. That happens to everyone. But the reality is that the power of our thoughts are either going to hinder us or they're going to help us in our walk with Jesus. The power of the mind, the power of our thoughts will either help us or hinder us in our walk with Jesus Church attendance nationwide is at an all-time low. Less people are going to church on a regular basis than ever before. And, and that's a discouraging statistic, and I don't like that statistic, but here's what I want to drive home to you is just going to church doesn't make you more like Jesus. Just getting out the checkbook or just serving or just doing religious things doesn't make you more like Jesus. 
The power of our thoughts, the power of our minds will either help us or hinder us in our walk with Jesus. And so if you were to ask really smart people, what are the most important factors that determine the degree to which I look more like Jesus and you look more like Jesus? Really, there's two questions that they would say you need to nail. There's two questions that you have to get right. And if you get these two questions right, you're on the right path. And here's the catch. A lot of people don't get these two questions right. First question is this. It's the most important one. We're not going to tackle it today, but it's the most important thing. What do I believe about God? And I want you just to think about that for just a moment. What do you believe about God? Have you ever thought that through? Have you ever jotted down in a notebook? Here's what I believe about God. I'm really excited that we've got our grade schoolers with us today. And I hope our grade schoolers are excited to be with us today. And parents and grandparents, I would just throw this out to you. That's a great lunchtime conversation. That's a great evening conversation. Flip the TV off, turn the computer off, and, and ask that question. What do I believe about God? Here's the thing. Every behavior is ultimately shaped by this belief. Every behavior is ultimately shaped by this belief. And so that's a whole other sermon for another time, not going there today, but that's the most important question. The second question, which really is not as important but very close to being as important, is this. What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about my identity? It's the age-old question of identity. And so um, I won't make you talk to anybody during the sermon today, but I'm going to take a 30-second break from the message, and I'm going to let you ponder this in your mind. If you were to try to answer the question, who am I, what would you say? Think about that for just a minute. If you were to answer the question, who am I? Where would you go with that question? Think about that for just a moment. Who am I? What do I believe about myself? Who am I? Who am I? What do you think? How would you answer that question? One of the great authors in this whole arena of spiritual formation is a guy by the name of Henry Nouwen. And he has written extensively about this issue of identity. And he said that way too many of us really get this wrong. And there are three primary ways that we miss, we being followers of Jesus, we miss the who am I question. And he said the first way that many people incorrectly answer this is they answer it by saying, I am what I do. I am what I do. So if I am a professor, th that's how I define myself. Or if I work at Caterpillar, that's how I define myself. Or if I'm a farmer, that's how I de define myself. Or if I'm an athlete, that's how I define myself. Or you know, if I'm a student, that's how I define myself. And the problem with that is, for, for many of us, we've had career ups and downs. And maybe we were locked in at 40 and not so much when it comes to 60. It's a, 
It's sad reality when you look at the number of men, 55 and over, whose lives take tragic turns because career isn't what they hoped it would be moving toward retirement. And so I want to be really family-friendly in how I lay this out for you today, but many men, they've really struggled because that is how they are defining the who am I question. I think another way that we fail in answering the who am I question according to now and is I am what other people say about me. How other people have defined me, that's who I am. And other people might, might define you in a very positive way. He's a great encourager. She's a great cook. He's a great fix-it man. She has the gift of hospitality. She, she's an incredible uh, achiever. I mean, however you want to do that, that can be a positive or it can be a negative. Oh, he's just a fill-in-the-blank. And when you work with troubled teens and troubled children and you really kind of start peeling them back like you peel back an onion, many of them that have the greatest life struggles have been done in by negative things people have said about them and driven into their, to their minds. And so now one says that's a second incorrect way that we answer the who am I question. The third way, and this is especially true in America, we're the greatest country in the history of countries, in the history of the world, and yet sometimes I wonder if it's a curse. Sometimes I wonder if the muchness of what we have is actually a curse because a third way that people answer the who am I question is, I am what I have. I am what I have. So if i got a big old house, I use that to define who I am. If I've got a big old nest egg, my 401k is just bubbling over, I, I try to use that to define who I am. And so all of these are, are not helpful ways to answer the who am I question. And so where, where do we really, as Christ followers, find the answer? We need to go to God's word. We need to spend time in God's word because God's word is chock full of good answers, correct answers to the who am I question, the question of identity. And we can go to the very beginning, the very first book. The very first chapter, the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we see creation. And what happens with creation? God created man, what? In his own image. Imago Dei. In his own image. So right there, that's a way that we can begin to define ourselves. We're created in the very image of God. Israel struggled with this question. Israel had a very low self-esteem. And I, I could pick one of a dozen passages. I'm going to Leviticus chapter 26. But in Leviticus chapter 26, God lets his people, the nation of Israel, realize how they really are special. He says, I'm going to walk among you. And I'm going to be your God. And you will be my people. You will be my people. 1 Peter chapter 2, absolutely love it. Peter reflects this language in speaking to, to Gentiles and Jews alike when he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. 
What about the, the minor prophet Hosea? Spend any time studying Hosea? Hosea is a challenging read. It's a, it, it, it's a tough season for God's people. He's rejected them. Hosea's wife, Gomer, has been unfaithful, has rejected him. Kind of a parallel picture that we see there. But in Hosea chapter 1, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. And the prophet speaking the word of the Lord saying, even though I should throw you away because you, my people, have been adulterous. You, my people, have been unfaithful. You, my people, have messed up time and time and time and time again. And I should just write you off. But I can't do it. Because I love you. So you're going to be called children of the living God. New Testament, several dozen passages on our identity. I love what John does in 1 John 3. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Children of God. A major part of Jesus' ministry was to help others find their identity first and foremost as children of God. And so when we talk about this idea of identity, we talk about this, this question of who am I? Don't say I am by what I do. Don't say I am by what other people say about me. Don't say I am by what I have. I am a child of God. Now, this is like a camp exercise. So I know some of you are going to be like, I haven't been to camp in several decades. But I want us to say that together. I am a child of God. Um, so just let's say it together on three. One, two, three. I am a child of God. Now, that was like an 8.15 in the morning. I haven't had my coffee yet. you got to have more energy than that. Say it like you mean it. Here we go. One, two, three. I am a child of God. Better, but still not there. Still not where we need to be. So, third time, I know you can do it. Muster down deep. Here we go. One, two, three. I am a child of God. And so here's the thing, the next time you really find yourself beating yourself up, and let's be honest, we all go there at times, maybe the next time you've failed in a struggle with a sin and you can't let it go for whatever reason, I want you to look yourself in the mirror and remind yourself you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And so I don't really have a long message today, but I want to leave you with implications of, of what it means that you are a child of God and that I am a child of God. And really there's three that I want to leave you with. And number one is this, a major implication of this identity as God's children is that a child takes on the nature of the parent. I was looking through old pictures not long ago, and there's a picture of my daughter, Jordan, 20 years ago. And uh, she has my Blackhawks jersey on, and it just encompasses her. And she wanted to be like her dad. She wanted to look like her dad. And, and so many of us, if, if we had a healthy home growing up, we wanted to 
be like our Father. We wanted to look like our Father. That, that's, just, that's natural in many ways. And so what's it mean for us, spiritually speaking, to say, I want to take on the nature of God the Father. I want to look more like God the Father. Peter gives us a picture in 1 Peter 1. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it's written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. And so will we ever get there? Will we ever achieve the, the level of holiness of God the Father or the level of holiness of Jesus the Son? No, we won't get there. But we should die trying. We should absolutely do everything within our body to try. If there's one thing that really burns me as a minister, is when I hear a longtime Christian say, that's just the way I am. Deal with it. Excusing bad behavior. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. And so I've got a question for you to ponder today. And here it is. Do you look more like Jesus today than last year at this time? Think back to late July 2016. Do you look more like Jesus today than you did last year at this time? Or do you look more like Jesus today than you did a decade ago? Or do you look more like Jesus today than you did 25 years ago? for those of you that that would apply to. And if you really want to get serious about this question, answer this, what would others say? What would others say? What others say, yeah, she's growing. Yeah, he's developing. Ask a close friend. Ask a confidant that question. Do I look more like Jesus today than last year? at this time. Number two, remember who you are, and in reality, each of us is the prodigal son. Think about that for just a moment. Each of us really is the prodigal son. Now, I've lost some of you right there. I can see it in your, your faces. You're saying, prodigal? I've never ran away. Yeah, you have. And I have as well. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to be holy as God is holy. And we all miss the mark. We all fall short. My Sunday school class, the Faith Builders, right now, we're going through the book of Romans. And last week, Romans chapter 3, you can't get any more succinct than what Paul writes when he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one that is righteous, not even one. And so realize for just a moment that you're the prodigal son. Here's what I mean by that. You're loved despite your sin. That's the story of the prodigal son, loved despite his sin. 
He had his speech all rehearsed. If you don't remember the account, you can look it up this afternoon. Luke chapter 15. Squandered the inheritance. Spent all the money on women and wine and wild living. Found himself literally in the pig pen. Decided it was time to go home and apologize. Had the speech all rehearsed. Dad, just make me a servant. I won't even live in the house. I'll, I'll live the life of a servant. And the father was hearing none of it. He gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. He said that fatted calf that we've saved for the greatest of celebrations, today is that day. And that's you. And that's me. We're loved despite our sin. I'm not an author, but I jotted something down today or this week preparing for this message. And it's a motto that I think describes every Christ follower. And um, I would encourage you to memorize this. I would encourage you to recite this. I would encourage you to, to keep this close to your heart. A motto describing every Christ follower. A sinner in need of a Savior, blessed to be saved by amazing grace. I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm blessed to be saved by God's amazing grace. You are a sinner, and you need a Savior, and you are blessed, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be saved by God's amazing grace. Now, I skipped over it. I want to go back to uh, number two. Sam, if you could put that back up on the screen. Um, Each of us, in reality, is the prodigal son, so don't settle for the older son. Who was the older son in the parable? He's the guy that most of us, if we're being honest, would say got really ripped off, didn't he? He did everything he was supposed to do. He was pretty righteous. And yet his righteousness turned into self-righteousness. And he saw his brother come home. And all he had was hate. All he had was a spirit of, it's just not fair. All he could muster up was, I didn't even get a young goat. And you gave him, he wouldn't even call him his brother, your son, the fatted calf. And I think this is especially an issue for people like me and people like many of you. You've been in the church your whole life. You've been in the Bible your whole life. You've forgotten more about the Bible than a lot of people will ever know. And if you're not careful, your heart can become very hard in spite of that. And you start to look and sound and act more like the older son than the prodigal son. Remember who you are. You're a sinner who needed a savior. And you are forever blessed to be saved by God's amazing grace. Number three, last thing. Embrace the battle of the mind as if this means war. Embrace the battle 
of the mind as if this means war. Took Marla to a movie Friday. It was the movie um, Dunkirk. I don't know if anybody's seen that or not. Um, I don't know if I would recommend it or not. It's very moving, um, very, very much an adult movie, very much a, a tough movie to see, uh, especially if, if you're thinking of the kids. It's probably not something I would recommend, but in the midst of it, I just was reminded how absolutely horrific war is and how thankful I am for you, the men and women who, who went to war so we can be free. I'm just, I'm thankful. I, I didn't serve. I didn't go. And you watch that and you can't get some of the images out of your mind. Now, I can't imagine living that. But you know, nobody goes into war haphazardly. No one goes into war flippantly. And so we have to embrace this battle of the mind as if it is war. And so what's that mean? Author Andre Lauf wrote this. He said, there are many different kinds of idols. And the most dangerous idols are not those we fashion with our hands, but those we unconsciously carry with us in our heads. And what he's talking about is a battle for the mind. A battle for your thoughts. J Jesus understood it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. What about the Apostle Paul to the Christians at Philippi? He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Next slide, please. Guard your hearts, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. Will you guard your heart? Will you guard your mind? Will you accept this battle of the mind? Several years ago, my world was, was rocked, and many of my friends in ministry, their world was rocked when um, someone we really respected a lot, Christian leader, had a, um, had a terrible fall, major moral failure, and it wrecked a couple churches and just not good at all. I won't go into detail this morning, but it was a, it was a tough time. And, and the phrase that people kept throwing out there was, why would he do such a thing that's just not him? That's not his character. That's not who he is. And one of my mentors kind of challenged that in a class I was a part of, and he says, no, no, I think it probably showed us that's exactly who he was. He didn't wake up one day and say, today's the day I wreck some churches and a marriage and lives, and he didn't do that. It's probably more of a slow fade where the battle within the mind 
became a battle within the heart and it became behavior that never thought was possible and so I'm just reminded that this is really important for me for my life it's important for you for your life this battle of the mind so bottom line what do I leave you with today you've probably figured it out you are a child of God bottom line you are a child of God strive every day to look more like your father in heaven be holy because he is holy embrace God's amazing grace and engage the battle for your mind and for your heart let's pray God thanks for today Thank you for the chance to be together and to study your word. And thank you most of all that we are your children and you're our father and you love us and you care for us and you want the best for us. And so God, as, uh, as our service concludes and as we wrap up, help us this week to embrace that challenge to, to look more like you. For some of us, that, that may mean change has to take place. It may mean that we have to give something up or we have to take something on, a, 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 a behavior, a pattern that will help us look more like you. Thank, thank you most of all for Jesus, your son. Thank you that when we needed him most, he answered the call. He said, not his will, but your will. May that be my prayer. May that be our prayer, not our will, but your will. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so it is uh, invitation commitment time, as it is every Sunday here at FCC. Our fireside room ministry continues on today. Dana Cornerman, one of our elders, will be there. And if you would like kind of a more quiet, intimate setting for prayer and shepherding needs, you, you can head to the fireside room now. He'll be there until 930. If you'd like someone to pray with you during the service or after the service, I'm up front. I'd be honored to do that. And the most important decision that we offer every week is that decision to say, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so if that's where you're at today, I'm up front waiting for you as we stand and we sing together our song of commitment. Mm -hmm.